Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> we nailed it this time. That intro, yeah. th- we brought it in like fucking pros. <laughs> <laughs> um, but great. We are on to another, a new storyline in the BPRD for this episode. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited. It's like right off the, we left the warning. We got the cliffhanger. This continues almost immediately off the warnings. But before we get to jumping into this new storyline that I'm excited to dive into, as well as talk about the covers that are by Kevin Nolan, um, I I actually really dig the covers for this story. Yeah, they're cool. Before we do that, we got a little short but great um, segment of, oh boy, email. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Exploded. The mailbox just exploded. It's just a smoldering crater. (laughs) Uh, This is a great short and sweet email that we got that we'll just touch on. Um, This comes from Vincent um, Seeger. He sent us an email titled, Longtime Listener, First Time Emailer. So here we go. He just says, Hi, Kate and MDC. Just writing to let you know, aw crap, has really been a bright spot in these trying times. I love your whole vibe and the passion you both bring to discussing a great character and fictional universe. Much, yeah, it's very nice. It's nice. And then says, much love from the great white north. I believe that, as we said, he must be in Canada. Yeah. Plus his email address is like dot .ca. Yeah. <laughs> uh, These are detective skills. To we, we figured you out. And the says, most like fa- <laughs> what Canada is famously known as. We're yeah. like, is this Canada? Yeah. Couple of dummies. <laughs> and he continues and says, and looking forward to much more. P.S. I don't really draw, so here's an action figure pick. And he oh attached God. this really fun. Um, he took like an action figure. Looks like what he did was took some an action figure of a Batman, an action figure of a Hellboy, and replaced their heads either. Looks like the movie, the new, the 2019 Hellboy to yeah, me. For and sure. then a Batman that I'm not. That not looks sh- like a Nolan Batman head to me. It could be, or it's. It could be. I don't know. Or it's, the costume looks a little bit something like, because it is. So this picture is this Hellboy in a bat suit and Batman with Hellboy's body. And it says Hellman and Batboy, issue number one. And then we have an ah, crap. <laughs> Indeed. And then it says Crisis and Infinite Hells. So to me, it's. I would read this. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. But it definitely feels like it might be a Morrison or like uh, the Infinite Crisis. I mean, I don't know all the right the writers of that. I've only I think I only what is the one I have? I'm turning away from the mic because I'm trying to see if I can spot it on my bookcase because I read like I read Grant Morrison's run of Batman, which if you haven't read, it's fucking great. Check it out. He does a lot of weird shit because <laughs> he's Grant. Weirdo Morrison, and <laughs> which I love. Is it Infinite Final Crisis? I think it's Final Crisis that's part of his run of Batman. But there's so many crises in the DC world. So yeah. but this is a very cool thing. I like it. It's fun. Um, we'll post it on the feed, of course, the week of this episode so you can all see it. That's a great, I mean, that is a short but perfect email it. from Vincent. So thank you. I love you. that it's like, you could tell he's on older episodes because we 
when did we drop the drawing stuff? Like Oh, like I think we only did it for season in. two and then we were like, This isn't working out so great. Yeah. Well, I think I mean I just wasn't keeping up with my own prompts and that's pathetic. <laughs> so we dropped it. Yeah, it was fun though, but I mean I welcomed anybody that's listening to the old episodes. And, yeah. I mean, they can definitely. I, I also should have kept a spreadsheet so I could have just like looked at them at any point. <laughs> but no, I just totally I, threw them out there. I think I could. I could. I think I have at least a record of them. So. Oh, you do? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I kept it in one of in our. Uh, I have a file that I think I'm a couple of weeks on now that I just now that you brought this up. I have if like a reading it, list. I think don't it's go out of your this. way. But if you find it, okay. I would love. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Yeah. I mean, hopefully somebody's already made a wiki for us. You know what I mean? Sure. And it's on yeah. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but this is great, Vincent. Thank you um, for listening. Thank you for the email. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen you posting and commenting on our Instagram feed. Thank you for that as well. And then this is just a reminder uh, that like any email we love, it can be this kind of email. If it's an email about your thoughts on any anything we touch on, it doesn't need to be current. Like, yeah, we I'm, if you're behind on like rolling out, like I, I've definitely gotten some comments where people are like, oh, I'm still behind. You know, I just w- listened to the Lobster, Lobster Johnson episodes and I'm like, sorry, yeah. we didn't really like that. But like <laughs> but I'm like, I, I don't who cares where you're at? We just love hearing from you no matter yeah. what, because we'd, we'd love to touch on, because there's things that we've left behind just because we're going chronologically, but we're not, we're not going to be shy from talking about it if you send us an email about it. I think that's the nice thing is like, if you pick at this point, we've covered a bunch of it. So you could pick like, oh, I just want to reread this one section of the books or a BPRD or whatever. Then you could just find, you know, control F that episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, like somebody will talk to you about it. Hell yeah. We'd love yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's again, everybody like Vincent, please email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So that's our uh, our one segment for this episode. That was oh boy email. Oh, wait. Can I add a little secret oh. segment? Yes, I Hold love I love secret segment. <laughs> this is sort of a hell to pay, but it's, whoa, it paid off. I got that poster. Whoa, it looks so nice. Yeah, you got the black yeah. and white version. That's great. The black Kate. and white one from that was recently. Did you? Won. When did it arrive? And did you? Did it come framed or did you frame it? No, no, it, it came in a rolled up tube, and then I just like bought a little like generic poster frame for it because i just didn't want to get my sticky fingers all over the weird thing is they sent me another one which is like really weird i guess this one was like free so i guess i have two of them wow i don't know what i don't know what a second one where that could go i don't know either i don't know (laughs) i don't know where it could go do you want this poster to you yeah i'll take it okay good because i got it for you Thank you. That's very my nice. Bit was, I was like, is my bit working? <laughs> it, it was semi-working. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. you. That's very You're nice welcome. of you. That is too yeah. nice. It's um, really, it's like not a huge poster. I was like, I know like he's probably trying to get rid of posters. And uh, I think that one's great. Parse down. This one's like, it's really a manageable size. Great. I love it. You know, I was like, this is, yeah. So Beth won't be too mad at you that you have one no. more. 
Hellboy item. And I've gotten rid of, like, I had a big, um, this is, you know, a, a tangent about my, my livelihood or like <laughs> trying to part, like, I've definitely have gone, started to go through, like, I'm looking at my bookcase and like, I see like, oh, there's some comic books I think I want to get rid of. Yeah. Not because I didn't love them. Like, for example, American Vampire is a great read. I just don't think yeah. I want, I don't think I need th- to have it on my shelf. Sure. It's not like, oh, I'm going to reread that, you know. Scott Snyder's amazing. It's just like when amazing. you have limited space, you really need to think about that, where it's yeah. like, am I going to open this again in the next decade? Yeah. And I'd rather yeah. give it, maybe pass it on to a nephew or somebody like that, that like, yeah, hey, you first reader. But totally. like, I that being said, like I've recently sold a Scott Pilgrim poster that I had for like years, but it was yeah. just like, I don't, I like the movie, but I don't need this fucking poster. I don't, right, right, right. Uh, I, I have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles poster that's on the wall and I'm never getting rid of that. But. Yeah. That poster is really cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I was ha- like, I know oh. I have some small things here for you that I think I wasn't able to get to you last time you came and picked up the board game. I have some. Got a gift I, exchange. Yeah. So. Ahead of us. Yes, yeah. we do. That's it. I just wanted to show you. You got oh, a present. What a perfect. I was like, should I wait for a special occasion or something? But I was like, uh, who cares? We could both get hit by buses later today. Yeah, the bus could drive right through the wall right now. Yeah. <laughs> Same bus with an agenda <laughs> for us. Well, I, I think you just made it a special. You, you said you were waiting for something to be special, but now you've made it special. That's right. So this there is, you go. Yeah. The anniversary of the day I gave you this poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a perfect secret segment. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I love it. Um, but great. I'm just going to bask in that. Can't yeah. wait. Wonderful. But now we can just like, okay, let's get into this this story because I'm very, I am totally. A, we're gonna be talking, of course, about the Black Goddess. So I'm just gonna hand it over to you, Kate, to uh, take sure. us through the first first issue of of the story, chapter one. Yeah, the Black Goddess, BPRD, the Black Goddess, which was written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi, illustrated by Guy Davis, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley, uh, originally published. The one through five back between January and May of 2009. Yeah. And did you want to talk about this cover first or? Yeah, let's jump on it. Cause I think these, so last, the warning, it was a, a collaboration of Mignola and Kevin Nolan. They both like Nolan did like the inking on it. So you could see yeah. a difference for this run of the storyline. Kevin Nolan's doing the entire cover. Him and Dave, it's like his illustrations. I don't, Mignola does not put a hand on them. And I like them a lot. There's something about, particularly about this first one, which is like, I'm assuming is Liz and then some snakes. And Liz, though, is in this like sort of purplish power with glowing eyes behind. Yeah, she's like looming behind the other figures with this like, not like a scowl, but a very like stern looking, not, I mean, not that Liz is like happy go lucky or anything, but she looks particularly like not like possessed, but you know, you get the impression that like maybe the black goddess will have something, you know, will or like Memnon Sa might be like ramping up to like using her as some kind of vessel or something yes. like that for you, you know. And yeah, she's just got some like flames behind her, but you have these like entwined snakes that we've seen with like with Memnon saw yeah. kind of like ins- framing the whole thing. Totally. And what I like about the f- the four figures, which is Johan, 
Devin, right? I always, yeah, I, I always feel like I'm going to say Dylan and mess it up, but then <laughs> Abe and then uh, Liz, not Liz, Kate. Kate. Kate I'd love Nolan's like, it's not elongated enough that it's like Aeon Flux elongated. Right. It's but, not, it's, it's like slightly exaggerated. Their like figures are like kind of stretched out. Yeah. And yeah. I particularly, I mean, I like them all, but I particularly love Kate. Like, I yeah, like her she's posture. she's very, like, brooding in this, too. Yeah, she's, like, I mean, it's just the weight of what's happening, the, like, constant bombardment of, like, crazy shit is weighing on her. You can see in her, like, facial expression and her, like you said, her her posture. Yeah. She has, her, she's the one that has, she has, like, her hands in her jacket pocket. Yeah. She almost looks like an angst, an, ants, angsty, like, punk. Teenager punk. or something. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and then Abe's this, like, very, like, I don't know what he was thinking when he drew this Abe, but it yeah. sort of plays into, actually, his attitude, I think, in this issue that we're going to get. He's, he's sort of, like, taking kind of, like, a very stern position now. Right. That he's back in the field. It seems like he's like pausing almost like he wants to reach his hand out, but he's like holding back slightly. It's a subtle, subdued kind of a cover. Yeah. You know, it's like very brooding, but like anticipate like they all are like waiting for the next horrible thing to happen. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then yeah. this this Devin, more so than Guy Davis's Devin in the issues. Yeah. I if I was like, say that we tomorrow were like asked, like, we're become the casting directors for the BPRD TV show. Yeah. I would honestly pull up this cover and be like, let's find an actor that fits this look. Cause it's just yeah. it's I just like his face. He's just I like that he looks he's like the fresher face of the BPRD team. He's not like so yeah. jaded and shit like this. He's been through some bad stuff, but he's still like <laughs> His expression is like more inquisitive and like wanting to find, you know, you can tell he's like wanting to find out and less like, you know, beaten down yeah. by wife yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. I, that's yeah. a great way to put Devin. I think I think that freshness is what allows him to have a little bit of humor. Yeah, he's not like a laugh riot, but he's like a foil. His mm -hmm. like foil against the other characters does create kind of a funny situation. Yes. Because he's like, he's still just a good BPRD agent. He's like doing work and like finding stuff out for them to figure out where Liz is throughout this issue. And like, you know, the rest of them are too, but like they're, they're almost, they seem like they're on autopilot almost like they want to figure this out, but they're like drained from just emotional damage that they're suffering, you know? A hundred percent. That's a great yeah. way to put it. Yeah. These characters have like sleep very little now. <laughs> Right. Very little. Right. And I before we move on, I just love to just it's a smallish basic detail, but I think it says a lot for the cover or just like Kevin Nolan taking the time to make the detail because mm -hmm. I love that you weak on Johan's head, the use of transparency. So it like distorts yes. the hair behind the little hair that is behind her from Liz's yeah. figure. I think that's just a great touch to actually. Have it gives it so much dimension. Like it gives his helmet. It, his helmet doesn't look flat mm -hmm. because it has that little bit of like the like highlight around it. And then on the top of it for, as if from like an overhead source of light or something. Yeah. Uh, it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Solid, solid cover. Like I wouldn't mind 
reading an issue in this style. If I don't think Kevin I would Nolan, love it, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if he ever. I don't think he ever draws the interiors, but I mean, I could be proven wrong. But I guess I should check out stuff and see what his interior art is like. If for anything else out there, I mean, I guess I would. I guess he did that Hellboy stuff, but that was like you said, it's like kind of a combo. Yeah, Mignola him or uh, yeah, Mignola him combo. But cool Interesting cover stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's. I mean, we'll get right into it. The first page. I like the movement on this very these first four panels. I did too. It's like, uh, and as I was reading them initially, I it was like I was in that mode of hoopla where you look at one panel at a time. Oh. So I saw that like it starts off with just a black square with like some brick detail in the background, and then. Johan's head comes into frame and then it leaves the frame and then <laughs> it's back to the black square. So it was funny to like, it was almost like half animated looking at it at one panel at a time instead of seeing all four panels at once. Yeah, I just, so it was kind of funny. I literally just tried that out right now. <laughs> yeah, because his head like then appears to kind of slowly move across, which is exactly what the what they're going for i think oh yeah it's very like fun that to start with that sort of motion too yeah uh, it, it, and and it's cool that they're like finding because we haven't seen them use the panels that way in a prior bprd and i think that's great this like new little no and it, it immediately puts you in the space of like them floating on this boat in a sewer <laughs> it's like a it's like a sense of movement but like slow paced movement yeah it's like slow deliberate movement of a boat kind of chugging along <laughs> in the sewer yeah <laughs> you don't like feel like you're you don't feel like johan's flying past you yeah like i mean they, there's cool. two little movement lines is like the perfect little wisp <laughs> yeah which i think is like for this whole overall issue it's like a good thesis kind of opening thing for this whole issue because it's like you just some information revealed but it's paced and there's nothing like really crazy happening yeah. it's just like this is like the del slow deliberate part of the bprd's job where they're investigating and finding stuff out but it's still an interesting issue yeah and it's built i mean it definitely like i, I love what you're pointing that out that that's a thesis because it's setting you up it's like hey we're gonna we're, we're gonna like i honestly feel like am i i could be wrong i feel like these issues this one and then the, the, the rest of the story they're like Maybe some of the longer on the longer side of what we've read, too. Yeah. Like I was like, I'd got to a point where I was like, oh, I think this must be the end of the issue. And I was like, no, it has a couple more pages left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think they're like throwing a lot of they're like, we need to get a lot of information out. Yeah. And but they do it in a good way, of course. But I do think you're right. that Like it's like, hey, for this first one. And I think that's why I chose for us to read it with like, let's just do do it the first issue and then the next two it's like reverse on normally how we cover these because mm -hmm. it feels paced that way of like this first yeah. one is really like a slow setup and then then we and there's just a lot rant. of exposition a lot of like info in yeah it. that i think you have to put in and it also helps to slow down it helps to slow down the story because it gives gravity to the like explosiony crazy elements of of the comic before yes. and after this yeah 100 percent yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just uh, it's Johan, Devin, and uh, Abe piloting this little kind of not even like speedboat, just like this little boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, Devin's kind of tinkering with the light, and it, when it comes on, it reveals 
the old underground layer of Lobster Johnson and crew that we kind of saw a little bit of in um, previous issues. But now it's like it's like decades later, it's fucking rusted and disheveled and covered with cobwebs and stuff. I wanted to interject. I, I love this first image of it being old and rusted down. I think it's cool. Yeah. I just don't understand that this 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 attempt at humor. And I needed to ask you about it because I reread it and I reread it twice. And when I was, I was like, what? Is it the where, where yeah, part? I don't yeah. get what they're going for. And him saying right where you said it would be Devin. And he's like, where, where? It feels like a weird attempt at humor that I'm not clear right, like on the Like he doesn't joke. see it? Like yeah. does he not see it? Oh, because he's blinded by the light, I think. Oh, is that the joke? I see. Okay. Now I get it. Because but he that was, doesn't because time he gets out blasted well. by the light. Okay. I think... Yeah, it doesn't time out well enough then because he gets blasted in the light and then in the next panel he's already looking outwards. I think what would help is although in that panel he does kind of have these little blinky like millhouse eyes <laughs> with his glasses. So I think if I think maybe that would have to be a little more exaggerated or like he would have to be like look, you know, holding his head or yeah. looking at his eyes or something to really like hammer the point home that he's been like his like pupils are fucking jacked up from staring at a <laughs> blinding light after being in a super dark tunnel. Okay, great. Um, so okay, but I I'm on the exact same boat with you. The first time I read it, I was like, I read it twice, and I was like, uh, yeah, okay. And but now rereading it, I'm like, oh, it's the light thing. Okay, cool, great. Yeah, I was like, I can't. I have to talk to somebody to tell me about <laughs> figure this out. <laughs> I, I I think it could have just been a little clearer. I yeah. think you're. I don't think you're like crazy or anything for being like for that giving you pause. Yeah, because I think the next joke is is more clear. Where he's like, oh, I thought it would be, well, cooler looking, <laughs> you yeah. know, and then Johan's like, well. Like, I'm sure it was very cool in the 40s. And, <laughs> yeah. You know. And he's like, well, once you recover from your disappointment, start here with these vials. Like, Johan <laughs> is so sassy in these issues. He's yeah. like really like coming at, you know, his everyone's fuses are really short. 100 um, Yes. <laughs> Is the, you know, it's tense. Yeah. Once you recover from your disappointment, start here with these files. Abraham, let's see what else we can find. Then it cuts away to like some crazy action <laughs> happening. We see like this guy punching evil looking. You could tell he's evil because he his eyes are are big sunglassy kind of blacked out circles. <laughs> and he's got like a Darth Vader looking uh, neck brace on. <laughs> what looks like a hot poker or something like that is being punched out of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> his name is yeah. the Still Hawk. From that dossier. Um, I think he'll show up in other things. I don't know if anybody ever says his name thus far. I don't know. We've seen hints at him. Um, Of course, in that. Just in the dossier. The dossier. His name. The Black Flame. There was like in his weird that the guy uh, that became the Black Flame. I forget his name, but his like he had his, his like neck bracing and his collection of Nazi paraphernalia. But I, oh, but I think shit. we'll see him in other iterations in the future. But yeah, he goes by the Steel Hawk. I just don't know if anybody actually cool. says his name thus far, at least. So, yeah. But hell yeah. So that's cool. But we see, um, we see like a young McTell beating up that guy and his like gangster-looking minions, <laughs> and then we hear from behind him, and now here McTell. Are you missing your firearm at this moment? And it's a guy with like a, <laughs> a like a carved mask with like a huge like a huge headdress 
and robes, and he's holding the chains that are attached to collars around two giant snapping alligators. Um, (laughs) So it's like a very fun, like pulpy kind of like interjection here, this whole page. And then the next page, you see Lobster Johnson bust in behind McTell saying, feel the burning stings of justice, like with his (laughs) gun just blasting already. (laughs) And then we see McTell as an old man later being pushed in a wheelchair by a woman who's like, all right, Mr. McTell, settle down. So you could tell he's been like telling her like old war stories, basically just about his youth and like him getting into all of these scrapes and stuff. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's at this point, he's missing a leg. He's obviously like an older man. He's got like gray stubble and he's like adorable. He's like, oh, you're tired (laughs) of listening to your father time over here. Rattle on, you know, just being like, cute about it <laughs> but then kate corrigan's there she's like i'll hear i'll listen to your stories it's like great we have somebody who worked with lobster johnson helped you know beat up all these bad guys and stuff like that st- has survived and is happy to talk to talk about the kind of stuff that went down with lobster johnson and kate is going to like interview him and kind of find out what he can tell them it's cool. It's very cool. I like, I like, I, I like that, 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 like the bringing, like it, it definitely makes, they're using what, you know, we might've not loved and we'll, we'll continue on, but like we might've yeah. not walked away from that jo- lobster Johnson, like the first storyline of his own comic, like in love with it. But it's like, the, the, they're now like, at least it's like, it's sort of doing like the, um, this is a dumb reference to say because I love the MCU, but it's like how everybody saw um, Thor, the dark, the dark world and was like, yeah, well, it's OK. And then yeah. and then Infinity, not Infinity War, but um, Endgame was like, well, we're going to use it. And it made everybody go like, OK, we like that you used it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they made it pay off, even though we were like lukewarm on it. And that's yeah. what they're doing here. I'm like, OK, you're you're, you're inter- integrating it into the main thing. And. It's help. It's at least it's, it's done a little more fun. I mean, similar to like Thor in Thor Ragnarok, you know, Taika Waititi like cranks it up to 11, like all the crazy stuff, all the funny comedy works so much better in that movie. I think in this kind of in I think in this one or one to one and a half pages, I think that the charm of the pulp stuff, they really condensed it down and made this like you know, we don't know much about McTell at all until this issue. So it's just cool to be like in one and a half pages, you made me really like this character Yeah, and, or like two pages, you made me like the character and got all of the fun, like really cut right to the fun stuff of any of the pulp elements that they were trying to do before. Totally. You have a huge, big punch kick to the gut with a guy (laughs) holding like a Luger or whatever. And then like a, a villain, like a super exaggerated villain with two alligators <laughs> on the leashes. So it's like really fun right away. And just a fun like kind of breather uh, kind of break. Like even the color scheme is like way warmer, even in the hospital or whatever facility that mm-hmm. he, where he's living now. Those colors are a lot warmer when he's talking to Kate. It's just like a nice um, contrast between that and the like cold colors colder colors of this like dark old rusted headquarters where the rest of the team is kind of 
poking around right now. Totally. Yeah. Dave Stewart really, again, just always makes the right choices to really like let the, the it's interesting. He is so good at letting the colors be an element of the storytelling rather than it's just, it never is an empty choice. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. He's just really, yeah, he's good at breaking up the story. Like they're still, the colors are still tied together enough where it doesn't feel like so abrupt and like, oh, this is a, feels like a totally different comic. It's still like the same story, but it's just, uh, he, he's like using the color almost like as punctuation. Like it's like, this is one part of it. This is the other part. Like he's, he's really helps to separate the environments. It's great. Yeah. So yeah. Meanwhile, back at the lobster Johnson headquarters, that's now like all dilapidated and stuff. Devin's looking through files Abe and Johan are talking. They have like a pretty tense conversation here where they're just like really terse with each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. I they're really, as you said, the short fuses. I mean, Abe is really taking like an authority position with Johan. Johan is definitely on edge about like and at first you're like, oh, does he like in this conversation? It, at times I was like, they make it clear, but it's like interesting. Cause like Abe's sort of treating him like a tool. Cause he's like, yeah. but then, then Johan takes offense at that. And is like, Hey, you think I can't, you know, I'm going to get like lobster Johnson ghost is going to take me over. You know what I mean? Right. So there's, there's a lot in play right here where he feels like a tool and also untrusted. And Abe really yeah. is not like, there's a, like some soft apology we'll get to, but it's not like Abe is like completely like saying, no, 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 that's not how I think what I think. Yeah. He's kind of like, yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah, well, like Abe is saying basically like one of the sources of our, the information is a ghost. You feel any ghosty feelings? Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm in full control. Like, Johan responds with, like, I'm in full control. Abe's like, hey, listen, it happened once before. I would be irresponsible if I didn't monitor this, check in on it. It's not like you. It's not a matter of your character. You know, you're, like, you're here and stuff like that. And Johan's like, Johan comes back with, thank you, Agent Sapien. I'm grateful. And please be assured that I will make every effort to justify your trust. You know, Abe comes back with, you know, sarcasm works a lot better when you actually have a face, like starting to say face. That is one of the like, rudest things Abe has ever said. So rude. <laughs> he had, he's your friend. He had a face. Yeah. He just watched his hometown get like decimated too. Yeah. He's like got a lot on his plate. But you know, Abe's get, the, both of them are under a lot of pressure. For moment. sure. <laughs> they're, they're stressed out. They're just not expressing themselves in the most productive and friendly way. Not at all, yeah. <laughs> but they luckily are interrupted by Devin, who's actually found the file on Martin Guilford slash Memnon Saw. Yeah. And he's, I love, like, his expression, too. is so, like, sweet. Yeah. He's like, hey, look, I found it. We're going to help find Liz. Like, you know, <laughs> he's, like, smiling, showing them. He's focused on he's, the work. Yeah, he's focused on the work. He's not, like, really getting caught up in this Abe Johan drama. Yeah. Then it cuts over to the story that McTell was telling to Kate. 
just saying like, yeah, like kind of recounting when the like building at the dock exploded, when they had a run in with Memnon Saw, basically. Yeah, this is directly from the story of the uh, the Iron Prometheus, the first Lobster Johnson story. And he's just kind of like recounting it as like, yeah, we've seen like some weird shit before, but we never saw anything like this guy. He's basically the fucking devil. But we had all of our guys working on it. You know, we knew Memnon Saw probably had a weakness. So like. And he kind of tells, like, okay, so this member of the team goes and does this. Like, you know, Bob dug up scraps of info in public records. Bill, he had his own sources, and he's, like, talking to guys on the street. Gave me a chance to brush up on my Mandarin Chinese, too. And he's, like, you have McTell, like, investigating uh, somewhere that's full of, like, (laughs) ancient-looking stoneware. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And then Lester is going abroad to, like, follow leads over here. Lobster Johnson's doing his own research, which means holding up a scientist by the lapel against his wall. Because he's just a so, brute. <laughs> yeah, he's just beating information out of somebody, basically. And Kate's like, yeah, what did all your research find? He's like, uh, not enough and not enough to make up for what it cost. And then we see all these same guys, as they're investigating this stuff, had, like, accidents, like, died mysteriously. Like, we see one body at the bottom of the stairs. Ooh. One giant African scorpion that was in London <laughs> and killed someone. Bob, who has hung himself and is found by some uh, by someone. Yeah, like a maid or, maid or yeah. a wife, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all these horrible things are happening to the Lobster Johnson team. And then we just see a shot of McTell looking over Lobster Johnson's uh, shoulder. And he's like totally deflated. His little Lobster Johnson jacket is undone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the like m- microphone. It looks like he just got word that Bob hung himself. Basically, he's like, looks like horrible. Yeah. Lobster, he just told me to stop. He didn't want to. He didn't want me to look anymore. He had had enough. So he then McTell kind of lets Kate know the very little that he knows about. Memnon Saw's origins. Martin Guilford was committed to Bedlam in nineteen or excuse me, eighteen sixty-seven. He was discharged in eighteen ninety after responding to treatment. And then he borrows money from friends, goes on a journey, the exact nature of which is never revealed, and then he disappears from public record. And then there's like sort of a record of a man helping some Mongolians fight Russians and beating the Russians and some interpretations of this story could be construed as that was Memnon Saw helping him. So it's like very little is known of him at that point. Then in June of 1937, he makes his first confirmed appearance. We see like a shot, a panel of him looking like he looks in the in the picture of the file that we saw like way back in the day. Yeah. And I can't even remember what BPRD story where the doctor finds... All of their files down in the yeah. I think it was the dead or one of those yeah. early. I I I'm literally honestly having a hard time remembering where we found yeah. that again as well. So that's okay. But he's looking very much like that file that we've seen before, where he's fully like covered in snakes. He's got like his Fu Manchu, and he's looking like completely changed from Guilford to Memnonsa at this point. Martin Guilford would be 101 years of age in 1937. So some magical shit's going on, keeping this guy alive. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This isn't McTell telling it. This is, um, these are the, f- this is the information. Oh, wait, it like kind of blends into it. I am sorry. I got confused. So McTell is telling Kate his version of the story up until we see Lobster Johnson getting the bad news right. and looking all dejected. 
Then it goes to a sort of sepia tone thing where we see, okay, so the narration color of the box, of the narration box has changed. So this is where they do the switch from McTell's no longer telling the story. It's Johan reading the file. So my bad. Oh, that's so all good. The file, he reads the file about Guilford. And then it like has a panel of Devin being like, okay, what happened after 1937? And he's like, yeah, uh, Johan's like, that's it. It's a rather abrupt ending. And Abe's like, yeah, this guy specializes in that, in the abrupt endings. Then it cuts to this giant, like, ornate, beautiful golden tower somewhere. We don't know quite where. You can only kind of see that it's, like, among the clouds. Yeah. So maybe it's high up somewhere. Maybe it's just, like, somewhere cloudy. <laughs> but it has these, um, these, like, entwined snakes and sort of, like, almost, like, flame-like sort of shapes, carved shapes at the top of it of like a large domed structure. So it's looking like Memnon Sa's dream house. So probably something to do with him. Maybe. The Memnon Sa dream house by Mattel. <laughs> and then you hear, you see like little tink, 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 kind of like tapping sounds, uh, sound effects, close up of a chisel carving out like a little jade frog. Yeah, and then a hand taking a little orange paint, drawing a little sort of like a rune or something, you know, a symbol on on the backs of these little frogs. Mm. Looks like a flame to me. Could be a flame. Yeah, it definitely could be a flame. It looked like it could just be like a swirl, like a symbol for yeah. some sort of ancient power. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we can't tell. And then we see the guy, you know, the guy who was making all of these little frogs. We have like several, like a dozen on a little tray. And he is like a monk. He's like a bald guy in robes. Yeah. In this golden palace, I guess. Yeah. In this beautiful golden palace holding on a golden tray, these little carved and painted frogs. This truly, when I was first reading this story, I thought this was going to be the last page. It felt like yeah, such yeah. a it felt like such a traditional BPRD like cliffhanger moment. Yeah, like crazy cliffhanger, like what the fuck? <laughs> and so then when we kept going, going I was like, oh, there's more. <laughs> it's all good, but I was like, I'm very shocked that we're still going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then it cuts away to a very like high tech looking facility, but it's also like a greenhouse. It's like the bottom of this room is tons of vegetation, plants and everything, and all of the crazy animals that we saw from, not the Osiris Club, the other one. Uh, the hip, hippo, uh, what are they called? Of Ra. Yeah, that, that group. I remember that part that of hippo, it, yeah. Hip, the hippo, hip, uh, the hip, hippopotamuses. Oh, Heliopic Brotherhood of Ra. There you go. Wowie wow. Maybe cut some of that out. Make us look smart instead of stupid. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. And then <laughs> so yeah, all of the creatures from that like island of Dr. Moreau where they found Panya are kind of congregated in there. You know, you got a little dog with a with a squid head. You got a chimpanzee mixed with a jaguar and sheep with like, you know, crab faces and stuff like that. <laughs> So all kinds of like goofy critters are in there. And then we see Panya in um, like a motorized wheelchair on the back of which is like a bird monkey kind of hybrid. And on her lap is just a cat. (laughs) Just a regular old cat. (laughs) Yeah. 
And one of the people in this facility, like a woman in a white coat, I guess some doctor of some kind, is like, there you are. Why didn't you? Why didn't I just look for you here first? So Panya's been here, still at the BPRD, like hanging out and sort of, it looks like they've constructed a chair for her that has like elect, like a sort of electronic interface that she can like get around yeah. with a joystick. High tech stuff. Yeah. And Panya's like, yeah, why do you got to keep the animals in there? They're totally docile. They're not bad. And she's like, yeah, this is like a scientific this is like a high tech building. Like, I don't. We don't need like a monkey fish getting into the <laughs> all the controls or whatever. Yeah. Um, she's like, it would be dangerous. Panya's like, hey, they're so passive. I lived with them, and I just need something like comfortable and familiar. The doctor's like, you know, we're gonna find Miss Sherman soon, and when they bring her home, you're gonna have plenty of company. <laughs> and Panya says this really ominous shit. She's like, oh no, dear no, Elizabeth won't be coming back. And just like a faraway shot of the BPRD headquarters. And it's like, fuck. Second time I thought that the issue was I over. I hope you're wrong, lady. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. Second ending of the first issue. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm like, Psych. what? Why? She's yeah. not coming back. <laughs> she dan- Then it cuts back. Yeah. Punya better yeah. be fucking wrong. <laughs> I hope so. We, But, you know, it seems like she's pretty reliable up to this point. True. So that would suck if, like, Liz died or something horrible. And then it cuts back to McTell talking to Kate Corrigan, continuing his story like Bob dying was pretty much the end. A Lobster Johnson was, you know, he wasn't a talker at first and now he really wasn't. And then he went to go help the president. And then I just took the chance to like join the the Republic of China Air Force mm-hmm. to help them fight the Japanese. And then he kind of says like something was going on at Hunt Castle, but I didn't really know too much. You know, I didn't really hear about anything after that. But I'm sure you know about that. And then he looks like he like kind of pauses and looks away. He seems like, you know, he's like remembering war stuff. It's Mm -hmm. like must be very difficult for him. And he's like, yeah, you know, Lobster Johnson. I saw him like get shot and stabbed and like crawl out of a crumbled building. But (laughs) he was fine. But, you know, like now, he, you know, then he was went to Hunt Castle and was toast. Kate's like, yeah, have you heard anything from him since then? He's like, no, he was toast. He died in the castle. And Kate sort of starts to imply like, hey, you know, in my line of work, implying like, yeah, he could still be talking to you as a ghost because he has talked to us. But she doesn't like finish the thought. And McTell's kind of just like looking at her like kind of warily. He has this like expression of like, he might know what she's going to say, but he doesn't really want to hear it. Like, the, maybe even though he, like, kind of lives and tells these stories, it might be pretty painful for him if some of his old buddies start, buddies, ghosts start talking to him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and heavy then, shit. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's kind of sad. It's like. Just a guy getting older and all of his friends being gone and stuff. And then, yeah, Kate's, like, kind of gets back to business, like, okay, so uh, you stopped looking for Memnonsaw in 1938. And he says, yeah, that's where that's where this all started. I We didn't stop looking for him. I was looking for him as much as ever because he killed my friends. Like, I know he caused those accidents, like, quote, accidents, got my friends to all either off themselves or, like, die in an accident. Or in a scorpion related situation. Yeah. So he like 
Um, he joined the Army Air Force then, so he could look at all the maps and stuff like that. Yeah, but like Memnon kept like staying one step ahead of him, and he wanted to get revenge basically. But there was like, you know, in the war, he like implies that he lost his leg in the war, and that kind of like halted him from following Memnon anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it comes back to the Lobster Johnson headquarters, where. Abe and Johan and Devin are still poking through all the files and stuff like that. Devin's working on one last drawer of files, but Abe and Johan have pretty much gone through everything that they could find. Johan seems like optimistic. He's like, this is honestly like more than I thought we were ever going to find. Um, and then like Johan sort of is like, hey, I, I know you're just doing your job. Like they're sort of like reconciling a little bit, being like, you know, we're just looking for Liz. And um, this endless loop of frustration and guilt feeds on itself. It can only generate tension, but that doesn't excuse me. So they're kind of like, without saying sorry, saying sorry to each other. Yeah. Yeah. So that they're basically making up, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> but they're so stubborn and don't actually say the word sorry, you know. Then Devin says sorry. Like, okay, so it's, it's funny. They have this like big kind of roundabout way of apologizing yeah. to each other. <laughs> Devin says sorry, indicating that he hasn't found anything further in the last drawer. Right. And Yon's like, okay, then there's nothing else for us here. They pack up and head out on the boat. McTell continues his conversation with Kate, saying, like, yeah, I lost my leg in Korea. She's like, you fought in the Korean War, too? Like, this guy's been in all over the place fighting in wars. Wow. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to fight for my country. And all of that classified information really helped out. And he reaches for something among, like, all of his, like, stuff. We see, like, old Lobster Johnson goggles and, like, old, like, matchbooks and pipes and, like, uh, some kind of, like, army decoration, Air Force decoration for, you know, like, some pin that's wrapped up nicely. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what you would call that exactly, but, yeah. Like, all of this, like, paraphernalia from throughout his life. You see, like, an old trunk with, like... A million stickers all behind him. I like that he has the goggles of Lobster Johnson from the, yeah. when they were cracked after dealing with Iman Saw. Um, yeah. I think that's very cool, that little detail. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, the ones that we saw like earlier in this issue. Yeah. It's really cool. But he's like, yeah, I found out where Saw was holed up, kept an eye on him. Big place, hard to pack up and move. So maybe, well, who knows? He gives her a little folded up piece of paper. She's like, what's this? And he's like, directions. <laughs> so glad we talked to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> McTell answered, folded up on a piece of paper, almost like he knew she was going to come asking or something, or like he knew he would have to give this to someone. Um, yeah. Directions to Memnon Saw's house. It's very funny that that, like, uh, that he just has directions. He's like, this is where you go. Yeah. But it's also similar to the same cliffhanger of the warning where it's like, Devin was like, I think I figured out where to find uh, Lobster Johnson's. It's like yeah. location, location. It's very fun. Yeah. But like, it's, it is just funny to me that he's just sitting on it. You know what I mean? He's like, well, I'm old. I have, I have right. a leg. Like what? Yeah. Well, I guess what he didn't really know about. It seems like he didn't know a ton about the BPRD. Like maybe he didn't know that he could contact somebody to follow up on all this work of knowing exact. Like he, he's an old man who's missing a leg. Like he's not going to. He's not up to the task of maybe fighting Memnon Saw all on his own. This guy who already killed a bunch of people that he knows. Yeah. I mean. So it's like. 
you already what's he gonna do? Yeah, exactly. And he already touched on this, but like he has like he gets written off. Like after Lobster Johnson is sent by FDR to fucking go to this uh hunt castle, he straight up no one gives him a call. He's like he literally says, Nobody called me. So I up and joined the Republic of China Air Force to help them fight the Japanese. Yeah. It's like uh, he just gets written off. It reminds me of a lot of um, the the Black Captain America. I'm forgetting his name, Isaac. Um, oh gosh, what is his name? Do you know what I'm talking? I never, re- I never really read a lot of Captain America. It's it's okay. It's just they <laughs> they they dealt with in the, in the series the uh, that just recently finished up about a month or so ago, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they directly dealt with this. Because in the comics, it was established, the Marvel comics, that there was like a, like, um, Captain America, um, Steve Rogers, of course, became like the poster child. But there was like a bunch of other people, including this one um, black soldier who was given the serum and experimented on. And he was like the officially, like he was a, but instead of like letting him become a hero and, um, all of that, they just pretty much put him away. They um, like jailed him up. He has a, a very dark history with America. You know, it's very an allegory for the real world. And that's what this guy feels like to me. Like, yeah. I feel like he just gets written off when he's not part of Lobster's team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's very sad. So it bums me out a little bit. His name is Isaiah Bradley. Isaiah Bradley is the uh, oh, cool. uh, the, uh, the fictional black um, Captain America. So who got like the super soldier serum like before him because he was being just experimented on. Jesus. Yeah, some some dark shit in that history. I just feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's just like you hear like about veterans too getting kind of like shoved aside and yeah, once they've like used you up they kind of spit you out a little bit yeah and i feel like that definitely what you're speaking to is mctell like there's people like lobster johnson and some other characters that like get all like the fame and like the glory and like their legacy yeah. moves on and then it's like well what about mctell mctell fucking sacrificed a lot what about bob well, yeah <laughs> not the movie but the but character bob but yeah but what about bob you know <laughs> yeah I think they do a great job in this issue of like handling exposition and like setting it up and like not, they break it up. Of course, Yeah. there's a lot they hand us, but it doesn't ever feel dry or like tedious to get through. Yeah. They like found an interesting way to relay this, even though it's literally just like finding a dossier. It's like, how can we make this not just a folder (laughs) with information on Memnon Saw? Like we have to make it a little narrative kind of stuff. So it's cool to put this character in there too. And to kind of have this other sort of relationship stuff happening between Abe and Johan while they and Devin are, are looking through the files and stuff like that. So they literally are just looking at files this whole time, but. There's also like character development and relationship development stuff happening. So it's still an interesting, easy read. Yeah. And I think they're smart enough to get to this part in the script, like Arcudi and Mignola, to be like, okay, we're giving so much information. Let's break it up and have a bridge that's just two silent pages, which is just these frogs being made and painted. And I'm like, that's just such a smart moment to breathe. And then slowly walk back in with Panya and then get right back into all this other information. 
It's yeah. a very well like st- structured choice to be like to deal with so much information. I love it. Totally. Yeah. And I think Guy Davis handles it really well with Dave Stewart to like really break it up color wise and look wise. There's a lot of like panel usage that I'm like almost like you'd think it could get cluttered. Like the flashbacks of McTell is telling us there's so many panels, but it never feels cluttered. It just feels like we just need to quickly convey information, which I like. Like when he's like, well, Bill, like it's such a good use of like words and then image because he's just like, well, Bill. Well, he had his own resources. This just shows him in the streets, you know, talking to like a couple of people that are homeless. And it's like him in that antique shop, I guess. I don't know. And then Lester, yeah. it's like all, it's so cool. The, 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 the economy of like words and image that they're getting. So yeah. we pull a lot of information from very little. It's great. Yeah. From just like one page, like two pa- in two pages, you find out what all of those team members were doing and how they did most of them died. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's really well done. Super good. I liked it. Yeah, I do too. It's such a good kickoff to this story and a continuation of like part of the warning and all that. So we'll see if we get that Liz back because Panya's not confident about it. I know, that's so <laughs> I sad. I love that the BPRD has this huma- an enormous budget that they just created this, like, indo- indoor, like, place for all these crazy animals. Yeah, this is <laughs> environment for them. Mm, you gotta love it. So Do good. you have any favorite moments or panels or anything? I guess I, I like uh, two alligators on a leash. <laughs> I mean, that's really fun. Just be like, uh, you know. I don't know, but the phrase, two alligators on a leash. Yeah. It's <laughs> perfect. Double fisting alligators on a leash. I thought that was really fun. And I, I like Devin holding up the file. I think it's really uh, like, like you said, it's like funny because it's such a, it's just a pressure release, you know, st- pausing this, this moment of high tension between these other characters. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. It's not like funny, haha kind of a thing, but it's like sweet. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever like these books don't like let make me laugh out loud. They're, like that would be an exaggeration, no. but they definitely know how to put the humor into break as you already stated tension. Yes. Yes. I really, oh, I don't do I have a favorite. I don't know. I mean, there's so much in here. I think I just want to call it. I really like, and aside to just like the different colorations and things between each like location, I really like, yeah. I think they do a really good job of like when they want to show an old photograph, like they know how to do that so well. Where they just put the simplest texture on that photograph of McTell as the, yeah. like the the pilot for the Republic of China. Like it just makes you go, oh yeah. It mixes it up in a small way where you're just, oh yeah, that's a photo. Like we don't need to see it. Like I can infer that even he's showing that to Kate without having a panel. Of him holding the photograph for her, you know, it's really nice. And I think just above that, it makes me laugh that Lobster Johnson actually is like in this alternate world is in part of American history. (laughs) This guy who essentially is an insane mental, possibly on the verge of insanity, like vigilante, but uh, is getting called up to the president to be like, go take care of Nazis. (laughs) Right. I hear you punch Nazis good. I think it's very funny. And I, you know, I love, I love, I love the, 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 the ominous frogs. I think that's just cool, but they definitely, 
Yeah, they're cool looking. Yeah, it's all the, there's a lot of bread. They're giving us a lot of information, but it's a lot of breadcrumbs that know that makes me go like, ooh, what else are we gonna learn? Yeah, still, still like totally on the hook and like need to finish the rest of it. Yeah, I love it. I think it's really solid, solid work for like having to undertake a lot for the story to push yeah. forward. I dig it. I really dig it. It's good stuff. This black, this black goddess. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I love that. Hey, listeners, we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I'm going to call it a thick issue. I'm wondering what it was like. It's a big old Yeah, one. I'm like wondering how it felt when you got it, you know, at the comic book shop. Because yeah. I always get excited <laughs> when like, uh, I think I've already ranted about this, like the last storyline uh, called The Prey by Thor, uh, writer Donnie Katz, yeah. like the first issue was like a double one. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Then everything else that's been following it has been like th- a typical issue and i'm like oh, i get so excited when they're thick yeah <laughs> this makes me think of i have a weird reference because of all the depth like the when all the people of lobster johnson's team gets offed it reminded me a lot of lethal weapon one <laughs> if you if you know the plot of lethal weapon one pretty much the bad guys just offed or is it one or two it might be lethal weapon two actually in lethal weapon two they they like these guys from south africa are the villains and they they off all the other police officers and the only people that survive are like Murdoch and, um, oh my gosh, uh, Riggs, <laughs> but they like go off like, but they're like, they're often like sometimes silly ways for an eighties movie. Like one of the cops, this woman goes to jump off her like diving board and just, just explodes and her body just Oh sits. my God. Well, like there's C4 under <laughs> yeah, the diving board Yeah, it's fucking great. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I just re- <laughs> I've only ever seen the first one and it's been a couple years since that happened. I'm a huge Lethal Weapon fan, you know, even though I so fuck funny. cops, but I still like those old movies. <laughs> but yeah, I think those are, that's what it reminded me of when I read it. I was like, <laughs> all those cops getting off, to, <laughs> uh, so like the funny. team going down. Oh, so good stuff. Yeah. And it reminded me of course of Isaiah Bradley from Marvel, the storyline. Yeah. So check those out. Watch that. Anything from you, anything that's anything to suggest? The only thing I can think about is so I re- we, I mean, we talked about this before recording, but I watched Psycho at a drive-thru. Or not a drive-thru, drive-in. <laughs> you went through a drive-thru at a... At the, the Taco Drew Bell drive-thru. playing it? Uh, Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched Psycho uh, again. It had been a while since I had seen it, and it was just awesome. It was, uh, I mean, you know, it's like, go watch Citizen Kane. It's like, yeah, we know it's like a classic movie, but if you've never watched it, if it's like... Oh, I like know that, like you were saying, like once you know the twist, it's kind of like you have a less desire to watch it. It's such a good movie. Just like check it out, even if you like think you know what's going to happen in it. Yes. Yeah. Go cool. Watch. I love that. It's a classic and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're 100% right. But yeah, this is a really cool kickoff to a new story, BPRD storyline. A lot of info, but we're about to, you know, see what comes next after they take that little paper with directions on it <laughs> they follow yeah. a tiny little map that's on there <laughs> Can't wait. yeah it's gonna be good but again we want to hear from you uh listeners we'd love to hear your thoughts on the black goddess um anything that you wanted to point out to us that we missed or you just want to add to the conversation we'd love to hear from you on the black us and anything we've covered in the past you can email us at aw crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com 
And in addition to that, you can follow us on Instagram at Aw Crap a Hellboy Podcast, Twitter Aw Crap Hellboy. Um, we will respond to our to our best ability anything you comment that when we post on there about the upcoming episodes or anything. Just remind remember though that if you want your thoughts um, shared on the show, you do need to email us. So please do that. And then if you could please go out of your way to rate and um, review and rate on any platform that allows you to do that, that you're listening to the show. But if you go out of your way to go onto Apple Podcasts and you give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom, B-O-O-M, we will give you a big old shout-out, read that review, and praise you, and just send all the love to you. (laughs) Please give us a boom review. That's what we call those, a boom review. That will help us bring more uh, listeners and Hopefully, emailers to the show, and that's why we love doing that. So, that's I think that's it. That's That's it it for this episode on the first issue of Black Goddess. Uh, We'll see you next week as we continue the storyline from the BPRD. Um, But thank you again for listening, and remember, we love you. To rant on that, I, I just finished that storyline and it ended in a very strange way and I need somebody else to read it and talk to me about it because I was a little disappointed out. how Donnie Katz wrapped it up. I was like, what? <laughs> I still like Donnie Katz, but. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here to to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.